And it's going to be very short because I'm not in the mood. I'm in a bad mood today. Welcome to another episode. We started. <laughs> we have indeed. Welcome to another episode uh, of Conversations with My Mother, with me, Matthew Peltier, and you, my mother. So we're both now recording. We're going to do one big clap together. You're going to clap in front of your microphone. I'm going to clap in front of mine. Three, two, one. Yeah. Um, and now you can tell me whatever you want. You- I've got nothing I want to talk about with you. It's um, a good start. Except, th- except three little things. One is I realised this morning when I was sitting thinking about things that 500 years ago, the British and probably every nation under the sun used to do public executions. Mm. Not only did they 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 uh, execute people in public for the for the crowd to see, mm. but they also used to torture them in public. Mm. And um, I won't go into the details, but there were some very gruesome tortures followed by execution. So before the person was executed, they were tortured, yeah. right? And everybody could see it. And presumably the authorities thought that this would stop people committing crimes if they could see this. Um, there, as far as I know, there is no evidence that that uh, public executions or any executions at all stop people committing crimes. For some yeah. reason or other, doesn't work. What does work is putting people in prison for years and years and years. But just executing somebody, particularly if you do it in private, as it was done in this country. I am old enough to remember vividly, vividly, the last two executions in this country, 1955, yeah. uh, Ruth Ellis. I was standing at the bus stop. She was the woman who shot her lover in the, is it called the Magdala pub up in Hampstead? And you can still see the bullet walls, bullet hole on the wall where she shot right. him. Um, her trial was very quick. Nobody took into account the fact that the man she killed, one, was being uh, terribly unfaithful to her. Two, he had previously been what we would now call a domestic abuser. He used to beat right. her up. And three, a couple of weeks before, she'd had a miscarriage. Now, all of those things now would count in her trial. But in 1955, they didn't. That was not. It was called a crime of passion because she got this gun, which he had brought back from the war, out of his drawer and travelled by bus across London. And the bus ride took roughly 45 minutes. And that's why she was executed, because they reckoned she had enough time to think about what she was doing. It's like premeditated, isn't it? That's right. Now, the other thing, the defence that was used at the time... MP was fascinated by this story which because she was a single woman who had been abused by men, so therefore she could very much identify with this, this woman, which is how I know so much yeah. about it. And on the day of the execution, I stood at, I think it was 8 o'clock in the morning, at the bus stop outside St Mary's Church in Upper yeah. Street, aged, what, 10 years old? Thinking to myself, they're executing her yeah. now. And I, like many, hundreds of people stood outside Holloway Prison and at the time of the execution. And I was thinking, we were all thinking about, anyway, none of the, the, the trial was very quick. There was no appeal. It just went boom, 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 execute. And she was executed the week later, right? Now that's number one. Number two is a man called Han Ratty, 
who uh, got involved in a crime on a motorway and killed a man and injured a woman so that she was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And I, at now age 16, went round with a petition in my college asking for people to sign that he should not be executed. Many years later, they dug up his body and did, um, what you call it? CNA, what's the... DNA. DNA, no, yeah. DNA, and discovered that he had killed the man. He was absolutely yeah. guilty. Would that have changed my mind if I had known that, if it had DNA in 1962? I'm not sure. This is the point of the story. We used to execute people and torture them 500 years ago, and we don't do it now. It is disgusting to everybody, the thought of doing that. Disgusting. In 500 years' time, how will we as a society have developed? So we will look back at um, 2020 and say, oh, those poor buckers, you know, they had a really rotten time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I've just seen a lot of stuff about the treatment of black people, specifically black men in this society. And that program that was called The Talk, where only rich and successful people spoke. The, the black people, it was all black. The whole program was 100% black. Every person who spoke on that program, one, told any number of horror stories about things that had happened to them mm-hmm. growing up. And two, they didn't see each other, so they were not sharing mm. ideas. Emily Sunday told her story of living in mm. Scotland um, in a mixed family. I think she has a white mother. I can't remember. Yes, she does. She has mm. a white mother. Um, Ashley Banjo and his brother also, uh, what was it? They, they were laughing the whole way through. Um, things that policemen say, like, um, whose car is this? How would you get this car? And Ashley Banjo says, I very quietly say, I've worked very hard for it. Um, they all had horrible stories. Lenny James um, cried a little bit in his interview. They finished They finished the programme with Lenny James because of all the people being interviewed, he is the most articulate. He's the one who'd been two months in Dominica and was really happy when he left Dominica. Um, it's absurd. The hours, the hours that we are devoting to this in this society, to get these incredibly articulate people to explain what's going on, and then ask ourselves as white people how much we, we are responsible for this, in 500 years' time, none of this will what exist. What will it look like in 500 years' time? It won't exist. What, what will it look, what will it look hmm? like in 500 years' time? That I didn't get very far with that, because if, as I think, people will endlessly intermarry there will be fewer and fewer um, ethnic differences. Mm. It's already happening, as you well know. Is it? Is it? How? How ethnic? It? Now, listen. Should we do this as part of our broadcast? Oh well, we've started. We're just going to keep. We're not going to. We're going to scrap the rest of the episode. Which is, yeah. Um, okay, it, it, wait. First, firstly, um, I mean, yes, there are more mixed race people now. I, I was driving my car a few days ago across town, and I kept seeing mixed race families a variety of different types whether it be a child with uh, its parents and what's interesting for me is how old they're all getting now this sounds strange right because we think that being mixed race i'm 36 so mixed race is not a new thing right but when i was a kid you didn't see mixed race people i was the only mixed race person i knew right 
and to, uh, as a child and it's definitely was the only mixed race person i knew i didn't know any older mixed race people i didn't know any mixed race men right right i might have there might have been boys <laughs> in my class who were mixed race but i didn't know any mixed race men yeah um and now not only can the mixed race kids children of today see me and go there's a mixed race man but also uh i'm now seeing loads of them and i and i see that really lovely thing when you see you, you see because what's interesting about mixed race couples and mixed race families is that no one looks like anyone so you see the mum and then you see her child and then you see the dad and none of them look like one another or you see the dad and his child and then you wait for the mum to come out and so whenever you see two of them you go oh i wonder what the third one looks like kind of thing um and i always find that quite interesting nice. because i'll see a kid a mixed race kid with afro hair screech down the road on his scooter and i'll go can't wait to see your parents and then i'll see this pair and, then, and then maybe it's a black man with a white woman largely it is or it's a white man with a black woman but it's always really interesting and i really like the dynamic i'm always very a bit like um vw beetle owners i'm always looking out for fellow mixed race people um but it's still not that common though is it like in in in, in 500 years do you think we would have changed that much do you think there's going to be do you think we're all going to be beige in, in 500 years yeah, that's what that was the next thing to think about because I remember you saying at some point, I think when your daughter was a baby, um, so she grows up and she marries a white mm-hmm. man, and she has almost white yeah. children because she's three, she's three quarters white yeah. already. Um, and so she has, so she, she, has, has she has white, white children, children, which means that her children are one with they're, dark they're eyes. One, with dark maybe eyes. not even that. Maybe not even that. They'll come out with blue eyes and. They're one eighth black, and so as quickly as Granddad Tony's deep dark skin color influenced the creation of more people. Within what's that? Three generations? No, two generations. Two it's generations gone. gone. It's completely gone. Unless, of course, like Kobe, Kobe, mm-hmm. Kobe Campbell, one white parent, one black parent, she then marries or has a relationship with a completely black man and produces two dark black yeah. children her girl that's not true they're mixed race they're um dark. someone told me that being mixed mixed race was the fastest growing ethnic minority the fastest growing race in yeah. the uk but also was the fastest yes, shrinking because at the same time that you create it disappears, it disappears one generation later unless you marry another mixed race person your children ella is, you could argue ella's not mixed ella is very mixed it's because of her tone but actually if ella had come out fair as her percentage split had had would would dictate she could plausibly be white i know i know what we call this is so horrendous there is only one term i can use for children who are three quarters black and three quarters white uh, and one quarter white quarter cast it's it's such an offensive term and you can't use it. I wouldn't use half cast anymore. In Italian, mm. in Italian and in French, mulatto. Yeah, exactly. But even that's that's a, it's a it's a, contra- <laughs> a controversial ex- term. Ex- yeah. yeah. But quarter cast is still the only term I use to describe it, which is which is funny. It's worth a conversation in itself. But uh, with quarter cast kids, you potentially can then end up being back towards the race you are. So if she was three quarters black she te- technically is black in this society. And if you're three quarters white and you're blonde, you're pretty sure that you're you, and you could get away with being white. And I know lots of quarter casts. Isn't that interesting? And so Isn't as quickly as it arrives, it finishes. But to bring back to your original point, which was in 500 years, what will we be? Um, what, what 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 will we look back on now and and feel is crazy? Is 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 almost unfathomable? 
from our from today's society. I'm going to leave that and I'm going to spend the next week thinking about that because we know so much about Henry VIII and the mm. Tudors and the six women that he mm. married and what's her name? Um, sorry, I'm blanking on names all the time. The woman who wrote the book, the three books about Thomas Cromwell, mm. Wolf Hall. You're talking to the, you're talking to the <laughs> literature. Uh, okay. Um, the, um, Hilary Mantel, yeah. she has been able to write Right, three books that are thicker than a Bible, three books about Thomas Cromwell, because at the time that Thomas Cromwell lived, everybody was so literate that everything was written mm. down. So she's been able to pick her way so easily through his yeah. life of all the things he bought, the Acts of Parliament, the private letters written. So 500 years ago, uh, uh, probably no more than 10% of the population was extremely literate, yeah. right? So in the last 500 years, we've got to a point when we're probably about, I imagine, 95% literate now. We'll never be 100%. There's always people who slip through yeah. the system. Um, and the literacy has probably changed our attitudes I this very occasionally when something bad happens like this poor young policeman was killed and three boys were put on trial for it you get an eruption on Facebook of people say hang them mm. hang them hang them but the, as soon as that story is, goes back into the news and we forget about it nobody anywhere nobody is 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 pushing for the return of capital yeah. punishment um because we know that it doesn't work it's ugly. It, it it corrupts the people who do it. We as a society are corrupted. If we go, if some director Brian Murray, who sadly died last year, who was a boyfriend of mine when we were fifteen, mm -hmm. did a play about this, which he got right the way through to Broadway when he was only twenty one. Mm -hmm. And I can remember having an argument with him on the phone about this. And I was saying, yeah, but if you kill somebody, you should be killed yourself. And he said, there's no other crime where you ask for that, you know. If somebody breaks into your house and burgles it and steals your radio or your telly, you don't ask to go and get break into their mm. house and steal their radio on the telly. It's, it's, it's a strange kind of punishment that you do to them what they did, which you called a yeah. crime. Yeah. Yeah? Um... Um, I was 15 at the time. I, 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 I won't defend the things I said when I was 15. Um, we don't do it anymore because it doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't do anybody anywhere any good. We are all poisoned by it. More dead bodies. Um, so, but what, what, what's going to be in 500 years time? What will we look like? What sort of houses will we live in? Well, how big will the population pause there, be? Pause there, ready? The Finish that sentence. Well, um, you may or no, no, not remember, but um, I wrote a play which I submitted to the BBC, which was returned to me unread. You put a piece of cotton in to halfway through the play, you put a piece of red cotton, and when you get the play back, you open it. If the red cotton is still there, it means they didn't read your play, right? And my my play was called uh, Population Population X, mm. I think, and it was about a woman prime minister who entered into collusion with other heads of government mm. to put stuff in the water mm. to make the population infertile 
for roughly 10 mm. years. And in that 10 years, the population of the world would mm. drop and we would get a more civilised world. What, so you pitched your a film, you pitched your play to the BBC and they turned it down. And then what yeah. did you do with it? Yeah. Put it in the drawer. Well, well, that, 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 that's a lesson in dedication. <laughs> Do you think Steve Jobs sent off his first computer design and then went, they said no, and then went and got back on his life? I want you to pull that play back out and I want you to submit it. There are five other broadcasters in the UK. One, you're now a fully fledged podcaster, so you're an influencer now. So she's doing a thumbs up. So uh, I want you to repitch this. If nothing else, a bit like, a bit like your okay. acting career, we're going to resurrect your acting career. I want you to, um, <laughs> I want you to pitch this play out because otherwise you're sending up the wrong message to the young Britain. You're saying to them, try, and then, and all the thousands of listeners well, that listen to this, all the influence, yeah. all, all the all the children that you're influencing with your wisdom. Those people in that village in exactly, China. Exactly, that love your show. Um, uh, they're, 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 they're being taught a, a dangerous lesson, which is, which is don't chase your dreams unless you get an easy win. Uh, the reason I wrote this play was, um, one, I, in 1981, I visited China at the time when they had just launched the One Child Family. And I spent quite a lot of time in China talking about that. Um, I came back fascinated and had my third baby, which I felt guilty about. Yeah. I felt very decadent having a third child when those millions of women in China were not allowed to do that. Um, and also because David Attenborough, who turns out to be one of the great influences of the 21st century, him and Greta... Mm. How amazing to whoa, um, a whoa, very, whoa, very whoa, old whoa. man. Let's not put Greta in the same ca category as the Attenborough. Attenborough is everyone's favourite granddad uh -huh. TV presenter, climate change. And Greta Thunberg <laughs> is a kid who bunks school. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to put her in the same <laughs> I category. I think that's dreadful. She's got thousands of followers, millions probably of followers by now. But anyway, he said... So is Lady Gaga, so I think... <laughs> He said that when he was born, and I believe he was born in 1933, mm -hmm. the population of the world was 3 billion, yeah. I think he yeah. said. And now he's 80-something, nearly 90. The population of the world is approaching 9 billion. Yeah. And so he said in his short life, the population of the world has gone up. I can't do the math. So you say that three times. Uh, three times, three-fold, When you yeah. say something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and there is an indication that the more you, this is a fantasy that turns out to be true, that the more you educate women, the more they use contraception. Education plus women equals um, a dropping birth rate. And they think that in the next hundred years, the birth weight will start to drop. And it won't drop enough. It won't drop enough. Have you seen that wonderful cartoon? which shows the COVID virus holding hands with the with the world. Mm. I have. They're holding hands together. It, I, I saw it in French to begin with. They've translated it into English now. And COVID says to the world, do you think they've got the, do you think they've got the hint now? Yeah. yeah? Um, um, and, and the world says something like, well, I couldn't have gone on like that. Yeah. So basically, this terrible virus is actually killing people off. Quite cleverly, it's killing off a lot of old people, yeah. which means that all the people who cost the most yeah. 
Um, you're starting to sound. You're starting to sound like Boris now, and your hair looks a bit like Boris's today yeah, as well. well I know. So, um, interestingly, <laughs> a little fact for you. I just read that in 2015, 57 million people died in the world globally, which yeah. means that you, over a 10-year period, what are you doing? I'm eating an, an you're, olive. You're eating an olive. Good on the podcast. Um, uh, 57 million people died in 2015, which means that you could argue that half a billion people would die in a decade. Um, what's more important than those half a billion people, just thinking back to your play, is that the half a billion people that died wouldn't be creating more... Children. People. Actually, no, it's not about half a million people died. 141 million people were born in 2015. 141 million. So actually 1.4 billion people would not be born in your dec in your decade that, that your politician play takes place. Um, which and also the knock on would be that they wouldn't go on to create children as well. So there'd be a, a steep decline. So in the 10 years, you could take your 7 billion, uh, 7.7 billion people on the planet down to f uh, six and a half uh, or six. And then it would be a slower rise again um, as the population began to uh, grow again. What's interesting and to echo your own point is I read a, f um, a prediction, a scientific prediction about 10 years ago that said the theory is is that this population thing is going to sort itself out and the reason it sort itself mm. out is because lots of women are going to get to that point where they go i can do more than just have children now, that's not to say that having children isn't a great gift but well that's what i yeah. just said women plus education exactly. and so actually we might find out that actually this whole we're going to get this is what I, I think what i get so obsessed about is when people get stuck on this idea that the problem that we have today will be the problem we have forever and my example mm. I gave to you a few months ago, Mimi, was we are able to pivot at such a speed now, unlike uh, gen past generations. So, for example, we found out in the mid-50s that cigarettes were bad for you. There was, there was links, I think. They could work out that actually smoking a cigarette wasn't good for your health and didn't make you stronger, actually might kill you, right? And it took, what, 50, 60, 70 years before people are now aggressively rejecting the idea of sticking a lit piece of paper and, and tobacco in your face and inhaling the smoke, which for me actually sounds like such an insane 500 years time. You turn around someone and go, they did what? They stuck a little stick full of burnt, uh, full of dry leaves in their mouth and they inhaled the smoke for pleasure. Insane, right? Um, it took us 70 years to get to that point from when we first realized to where we are now. We're still not over it, but we're getting, it's getting better. I think cigarette sales are falling year on year plastic straws we worked out that plastic straws were dangerous and, and plastic straws actually collectively for the plastic consumption aren't massive plastic straws do 0.001 percent of plastic consumption globally but what it was is it was an easy win i hate plastic straws the world would be a better place but we in the in from when that came out as a news story to the abandonment of the plastic straw took two three four years maybe five the speed with which we can pivot now as a really planet fast. is insane it's been really fast. and with that in mind this problem we have around overpopulation in 10 years time, what's 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 corona to us that we are not bulletproof six months ago seven eight months ago we were all walking around like we didn't have a care in the world and now we have all changed black lives matter is not as a, is not as powerful a change sadly as as corona but in the in three months ago, we 
didn't think something about race that now a large swathe of, of, of the population do. The speed with which the internet and technology has given us to see and, and experience these things means that we pivot. I think that this, this 7.7 .7 billion could drop to 6 billion in the next 10 years of its own accord. Not because we've actively... And if it did, can you imagine how much easier everybody's life would but be? But then I thought about this. Why? I think actually the more... The, 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 I was thinking about this recently. Why do we have overpopulation? The reason we have overpopulation is because it makes money. It's capital. Capitalism is responsible for overpopulation because capitalism says everything has to be bigger and better and more efficient so that we can make more of it, so we can sell more of it, so that we can create more people and we can create like we were perfectly content with one billion people on the planet in whatever it was 1850 and there was loads of space and there was loads of everything and we didn't we're now trying to get to space that we have more space actual space with which to live on why don't we just have let fewer people and just actually and so actually i think in years to come people will get to that point where they'll go i don't need to replace myself you don't know that there, there might be there, there could be a tv somebody. show in the next 10 years that does such a great job of communicating why replacing yourself is a massive ego trip and actually is damaging. If you care about your planet, do not replace yourself. And one TV show now in this day and age has the power to fundamentally change the whole population. And we could be down to three billion people in the next hundred years. And I actually think that's more likely to happen. This whole kind of overpopulation obsession, actually, I think that is we're right to be concerned but actually, like everything, I'm seeing us, we, we change now as a society so quickly that I think you might find, in 500 years, but I guess it comes back to your original point, what will the world look like in 500 years? I think the population will be down to a few billion. Because either we've learned that we don't need to replace ourselves so aggressively, or we will have fucked off to space. But even then, I think that, yeah, I... I, I must go away and find my play because it was a 45 minute long play there's a slot on radio 4 mm -hmm. at 2 was it a radio play every day yeah and this is a perfect it was the perfect length because how many characters this woman who's the um one woman heroine a sort of Yvette Cooper kind of woman politician one gorgeous nigerian man um who was doing the same thing trying to do the same thing in Nigeria and was having a lot of problems and was going to have to probably escape because Nigerians are increasing their population all the time and they would they have always been suspicious of the white man putting stuff in their water mm -hmm. and he was the embodiment of that fear. Um, and then the woman had, I think, two or three grown-up children and they were the people who came to her office in 10 Downing Street and said, how dare you manipulate people in the way that you've just mm. done? And she argued with them and argued with them. Um, and that's the play. One of the... One of the one of her grown up daughters had just got married and was panicking because it meant that she probably wouldn't get to have a baby because she was already 30. And if she couldn't get pregnant in the next 10 years, she might. And one of the arguments that the woman prime minister used was that the, the, um, the world, this is an interesting statistic. She said in the world, there are approximately one million children who do not have parents. Mm. Go out and find mm. one and bring it home and adopt it and make it your son or daughter um, because well I'm obsessed with that yeah I think the um, 
I can't. T- no, the. I would love to adopt a child now. One million is. is you know is, that. The, one million's cute as a number. One hundred and fifty-three million, Eunice. says UNICEF. Oh God. 153 oh, million. God. I, I, I'm obsessed by this. Having someone who's obviously just had a child, um, I'm obsessed by this idea of replacing oneself. I know why people. I know why I did it the first time, because everyone wants to see themselves again. I, I believe having children is a 100% an ego-driven. It's to go, and this is why people are obsessed with having their own children. I don't have my own children. It's not the same as having uh, and adopting a child. It's ego-driven completely. Um, and that once I had my first daughter and I saw it and I, and, and I, and I felt it and she looks like me and if she's smart, I can take credit. And if she's funny, I can wonder if I helped do that. And her, she, t- she tans beautifully and I can go, that's me. All that kind of stupid shit, right? Is <laughs> about ego. But once I did it, I realized that actually I could have, you love your own child because you made it and because you want to protect it. Do you know like when you ever see um, an orphan child, when they do those horrendous appeals on, on, on television, or if your child had some sort of disability, you wouldn't love it less because it had a disability. You would, in theory, love it more because you care, because you understand how hard its life will be. So actually, human's nature is to protect anything. It's not about ownership. It's about protection. It's about, it's about compassion. And actually, if I dumped a baby on the doorstep of most of this, this population uh, of British households, a large percentage of them would lean in and go, I want to help this baby better. Even if that just meant taking it to the local police station, they would want the natural urge to do it. So why the hell we're all making more children? And again, this is coming from someone who has just made a child. I recognise the, the, the irony here. Why we're all still making children, I don't know. 153 million children okay. do not have parents on the planet right now. Two, two, two thoughts about that. One is um, we know people... Once again, I'm not going to give anybody's names. I like how big um, a deal you make of not giving people's names. You always go, well, you always go. Here comes a story, and all the names have been changed. Um, I don't think the audience cares. Um, we know a, a, a couple who have just had their fourth child. Mm. Do you know who I mean? Yes, of course I do. And their little boy is now three months old, um, and the the mother often posts things on Facebook and has recently said, I would love to do this again. Mm. All the other days she complains about how much noise the children make and how they're driving her crazy. And during coronavirus, she had to keep them indoors and blah, blah, blah. But she's actually said, I'd like to do it again. Um, I think it's, it's 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 more complex why you have children. For me personally, I wanted to make a family I was brought up as an only child and I spent long periods of my childhood alone. Yeah. Which turned out to be quite useful later on when I ended up as a single mother. Yeah. Um I never I never actually needed brothers and sisters. I just wanted them. I would love to have had when I saw on film this morning two of my grandchildren running around the living room deliberately stepping on each other's toes Mm -hmm. to make each other scream they're very tiny these children i just thought it's a family that is lovely it's a family and their mother the young mother was laughing and telling them off and saying stop hurting each other and everybody was laughing that's what i wanted to do i wanted very much that feeling of um having three or four children around the table and me with a big bowl of soup 
doling out the soup to the children. Which is a me, and, which is a me statement, and that's okay. But it's a me statement. It's I want to have families yes, for me. Yes. You don't, you don't, you yes. didn't have children for society. For the world, you didn't have children no, no, for no. any other reason than to benefit your own happiness, which is okay. But that's why I think that's why I think you that's why I think you can do it once. And I fully appreciate why. But I also think there's something really interesting about going. Now that I've ticked that box, also you could have had a family if you had gone and adopted three children, which was harder probably to do when you were having. To, that's one of the weird things about having kids is that there's no license required. I'm about to do a motorcycle test to operate a small little poop poop motorcycle down the high street, and I have to go through rigorous training and insurances to do it. To have a child, there is no sort of condition. There's no sort of test I have to pass. Who who remembers Keanu Reeves saying it in that film Parenthood? Mm. He 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 plays this dim boyfriend who wanders into the kitchen, and says to the his future mother-in-law, "You have to have a license to get a dog, mm-hmm. but you don't have to have a license to get a kid." Um, and in this totally sort of silly film, it was a really profound moment when he said that. Yeah. Um, I think you should have to have some kind of test. I don't want to start talking about it now because it's for the future. But all the things I have learned in the last six months about growing up um, black in a white society Mm. has made me think, I said this to you before, and it's very controversial. I think that white women should have to take a test before they have a dark-skinned child. (laughs) From From the moment they tell the midwife that the child will be black, I think they should be put on a special training program. Understanding the makeup of our audience. I probably know, I probably met firsthand 50% of the people that listen to this podcast, uh, <laughs> at least, at least. I know that there are at least four of them, maybe six of them, who have now tensed in their back muscles. They, 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 have, now, they, have, now, they have now stopped what they're doing, staring out the window or washing up the dish that they were washing up. And are ready to revolt in in disgust. And I think there's probably a handful of people who probably go, yeah, I hear that too, babe, uh, and, and agree with you. Um, I think it is an episode in itself because you've said this to me before, and I think that there are very few people who can talk on this subject um, with real authority without it being offensive, without it being inconsiderate. I'm one of and them. you are one, I'm of, them. one of them. And I think there are very few people who could talk on this subject with authority would side with your viewpoint. And so I think for that reason, it's a podcast in itself. So can, Could. do you want to promise and we do that one next? I'm, I mean, I'm really looking, Possibly. I'm really looking, no, don't back out of it now. You've said, you've stoked <laughs> the fire. Do you know what I mean? You've warmed the nation up with your, uh, with your, with your suggestive, your controversial theory. Do you remember Kathy Burke? Yeah. I want a brand baby. Yeah. Do you remember that? I want a brand baby, um, yeah. Everyone else where, has got one. Why? In... Everyone else has got one on the estate. I want a brand baby. I, I want a brand baby. Um, I knew nothing about having a brand baby. No, no, we're not, we're not, we can't do it now. We can't do it now. We can't do it now. No, but significantly, my black friends didn't tell me. That's all I'm saying. Um, if, I knew a, if I knew a woman who was doing it now, I would say, put the kettle on, sit down at the table, get a pen and paper, because I'm going to tell you 10 important facts you need to know. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, in five hundred years, what's this? What, what's the, what, what's the planet going to look? What's the planet not going to look like? But what will they look back on today and think is crazy? I think population will be one. 
I think this idea of those of those um, tower blocks or those Indian slums that are just overrun with people and those the idea that seven people from the same family um, uh, all live in the same room, I think will begin to change. I don't know what it will necessarily look like, but I can't believe it will continue on like it does now. Is it true that there are 30 million people in Tokyo? 30 million? I think that... Yeah, 30 million people in Tokyo. I don't know. Is it? It's the most... Is that... It's the most overcrowded city in the world, and... Um, Jesus, yeah, that's half the population of the whole of the UK in one city. Yeah. Um, you may remember we used to have neighbours in our house in London who lived in the flat upstairs. Yeah. And it's the smallest flat you've ever seen. It's basically two rooms that have been divided up into smaller and smaller spaces. So they actually have two bedrooms and a bathroom. And the front room is a living room kitchen. Very nice, lovely little flat, but really tiny, tiny, tiny. We had neighbours living there who were one man, one woman, one baby and one grandmother and later on, one grandfather as well. And the significant thing about that family is they came from Singapore. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine who had been to Singapore said to me... Say, say, like say, that, say, say the name of the country again. Singapore. <laughs> what are you laughing at? S Singapore? Isn't it, yeah. isn't it Singapore? I don't know. I may, may... Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way you say it. Singapore. <laughs> Sorry, go on, continue. Okay, you can you can wait for people to write in and tell you what the answer is. But he said, in this city, people are used to living in small spaces, and therefore our neighbours who lived here for on and off for ten years. That's interesting. And the man, the man was a hospital doctor. Yeah. The woman was a science teacher. Um, and they brought their, their, the, the older generation over to visit with them to look after the first baby. Then they had a, no, they didn't have a second baby till they went away. But the, the point was that they were perfectly happy, as far as I know, living in, in this teeny weeny weeny. But that's quite funny because obviously you, I have been historically trying to buy that flat uh, from yeah. him. Uh, we still speak. Yeah. And um, the biggest issue I have is that the flat's tiny. I'm as a single man. Yeah. I'm like. I'm not sure I could live here. I'm not sure. Like, it's too That's claustrophobic. Right. <laughs> and that is, and but I've never thought about that, which is if you come from a culture, I guess, just like a, a bit an American who'd only ever lived on a ranch would find your house horrendously claustrophobic. Okay, possible, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never made that connection before. But yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Tokyo has got a similar population. 38 million people, if you count the, 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 if you count the, greater, the greater Tokyo area. And a BBC, a BBC journalist two weeks ago stood in the main station in the middle of Tokyo watching the commuter trains coming in at eight and nine o'clock in the morning he said every single person who got off the trains was wearing a mask yeah. a, a face covering and he said how come these people don't have any problem whatsoever yeah. in covering their faces against an illness and that's partly to do with the fact that there's 38 million and they have to protect themselves there isn't a single person who walks up and down my street who's wearing a mask no, i went to i went to co-op yesterday and i'd forgotten my mask and i was just walking up and the the shop assistant was having a cigarette out the front and i went oh you're not gonna let me in with a mask and she went oh don't worry about it we couldn't give a shit in our shop and that was <gasps> it yeah 
and she that was it and it was and so i went in and, and bought my uh my bottle of wine and left and nobody noticed that you went in no one knows no one noticed it's, no one cared it's the law of the land now no one noticed no one cared um okay mimi what will we look back on in 500 years time your great great grandchildaughter that will be called mimi zx427 <laughs> and will have i don't know robotic fourth arm uh what will she look back and go jesus that was crazy back then I can't. I, I really can't get, do it at the moment because I only had that thought this morning right. about five hundred years. Because mm. um, I suddenly was sitting around and thinking, this is ridiculous what we do now. Mm. Um, I think we will have abolished capitalism only because once again we will have ample proof that it doesn't work. Mm. That whilst some people get fabulously rich, it doesn't profit. The whole population. Yeah, but the people, are, people, um, people in power is who it prof, um, po, uh, who it benefits, and so fundamentally, again, I completely agree with that as a concept because I think actually we will get to a point with this generation and technology that you will revolutions are so hard to do. When when Nelson Mandela began yes. his his fight in South Africa, if you, I've only ever watched the first half hour of the film, it's it almost <laughs> seems kind of impossible to understand what he was trying to do at a grassroots level. And that's why I find so much protesting so hard to fathom because I'm like, how do I, Matthew Peltier, change anything? I can go door to door, but that's never going to get the numbers up. you know. And so I really believe, I really struggle with the idea of revolutions or about global change, but actually technology has given know, us the power the to last, do that. The last th three or four days in Beirut, mm. people have been protesting. They've been protesting for weeks but and protest, months. But I often but think the, the protesting th doesn't work and, the, and, the, and I struggle. And I have seen positive protests. I've seen oh, protests does. work for... But I think it's actually going to... What's interesting is it will get way more efficient as time goes on now. That people are connected, be it on TikTok, and I know these devices are controlled by capitalists at the end, but the way in which we can share information, almost coming back to my straw theory, is so fast now that yes, if ever we were going to be able to overthrow the idea of capitalism as a capitalist, uh, it will be now. It will be. It will be. It will be in the next fifty years. That potentially could go away. What about homelessness? Well, that's part of capitalism. Mm. Because cap in capitalism, the whole point is um, it thrives on the notion of spontaneity um, and individualism. All those poor people in America who won't wear masks because they think it's infringing their civil rights, who are so stupid because there's already evidence to say that they are more likely to get the illness and they're more likely to die. Um, it's... a Capitalism must be spontaneous, and if you get some planning, however, we all know, don't we? Episodes of history, Cuba, the Soviet Union, where socialistic type planning hasn't worked either. There's some, there's some. We've got, we've got to get some clever people who can wend their way through the good thing. There are some good things from capitalism, and it's happening in Cuba at the moment. People being allowed to set up restaurants in their front living rooms, and everybody likes that. Everybody likes that. The woman next door sets up a restaurant. She can feed 10 people, and we all go and eat there, and the food is different because she's a special kind of cook. She's making some money, and everybody's happy, and the state shouldn't object to things like that. I would like to say that Sylvia Pankhurst's father, in about about the time that Sylvia was born, which is roughly 1880, drafted a bill for the uh, abolition of the House of Lords. 
and that's 140 years ago. He and many people in this country knew that the House of Lords was not the right way to have a second chamber. And in this last week, we've been asking ourselves again what the House of Lords is for. Yeah. If uh, somebody like, what's his name? Is it Joe Johnson gets an, uh, a lordship just because he's the prime minister's brother? Mm. And he's only ever a MP for nine years. He's done nothing of any significance. Mm. And he's now in the House of Lords. Mm. Um, okay, to close the episode. Thank you, Matthew. To close, that was very to nice. To close the episode. Well, to, 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 to summarise. We've speculated about the future and how human beings might change. And when I was thinking about it this morning, I was just thinking, will there ever be a time when black and white people will not be in some kind of conflict with each mm. other? Surely. Mm. Surely, surely that can change um, as we get more intelligent, as we get wiser. Mm. I'm, and it has changed. Yeah. It has changed. In Shakespeare's time, no, sorry, that's crap. I was about to say black men didn't marry white women. I just sat on the radio and listened to bloody Othello, which is one of the greatest plays ever mm. written. But it's a play. Um, it's a play. It's a work of fiction. Yeah. It wasn't true. And the whole play is about how it doesn't work or about the, the challenges of it. So it's not as if it's it's not as if it's a depiction of real society. Um, I in think in five hundred years time we will look back and we will be we will be confused as to why when people couldn't see very well they had these little bits of metal and plastic that had little bits of glass and they held the little bits of glass in front of their eyes and that was how they saw better. And that I think that they will sat and they will say and you had a little rolled up bit of paper that had some burnt some dried leaves in it and you inhaled the smoke for the lols. I think they're the two things will go back. Obviously, I hope there are much more <laughs> seismic and important things, but uh, with my... And why were there 150-something... 153 uh, million uh, children living uh, children without parents. Children who had no parents. I think that's it for me. I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand. That's every person, uh, every one of those children could be rehomed in... in, in a, that's, that's, yeah, in, in the matter of days, if everyone just cottoned on to that. Or we build... Would you like to have? Would you like to adopt absolutely, a child? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I. It's something I've thought about for a long time. Most, especially when I haven't been in relationships, it's very hard. I don't even know if it's physically possible as a single man to adopt a child. But it was something I thought about because I definitely wanted more children. I wasn't in a relationship where I could foresee that happening anytime soon. Um, but I had, and still have, a lot of energy that I wanted to invest in in making someone's life better because that's effectively what you do by having children you create this person and then you're compelled to give it the best chance ever their argument would be why the hell did you make it in the first place but if it but definitely for adoption is that child already exists there is a child somewhere in, in the uk who is without a family and i could give it all the love and attention that i give my uh, current seven-year-old daughter um and could give it the same happiness that she gets um would be yeah would be something i'd absolutely be up for and i, I don't i don't blows my mind why more people don't do it blows my mind don't have another child I don't stop in... we're gonna get pregnant again baby billy's now 18 months old we're gonna start trying for another baby you've done it you've proven that you can make a child and that it will look like you and that it will be fabulous if you want now to give your child a sibling then go and find a child that doesn't have a parent and make that your child's sibling and they will love you harder. I investigated it before I had my first child. Mm. 
And in fact, the reason why I didn't take it any further was it was so difficult. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Maybe maybe, maybe, maybe technology will make it. The easiest thing to do. Yeah, maybe technology will make it easier. Was to go and make, make my own that's baby. That's ridiculous thing. That was very simple. That's the ridiculous thing. If there, was, if there was a tax for having your own children and they were free to have adopted mm. kids, fine. Then, then yeah. I, bet, I bet we'd see it shift. But it's so easy to do it yourself. Anyway, on that note, Mimi, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, completely off topic. Um, we didn't actually come on with well we had something to talk about and we never actually got there um, but I think it was interesting nonetheless what the world will think what the world will think of us now in 500 years Mimi I love you peace out I love you namaste namaste, namaste. Now, is, that, is that your sign off is that your sign off now in the same way that yes. in the same way that Will Smith said <laughs> welcome to earth motherfuckers in, in Independence Day is yours namaste, <laughs> namaste. When, 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 when you go on the yes. Jonathan Ross show will you say namaste yeah, will you, will, when, when great. I, I'm just going to add one thing while it's in the front of my mind. Some of these questions I've been asking myself has become because I've had the most amazing, what do you call it, when you watch the same programme and Deja vu. watch every episode. Deja hmm? vu. No, when you watch every single episode of a programme. Yeah. I've been watching Friends Without Stopping. Right. And they have a whole long sequence about adoption. Yeah. Please, 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 that, don't, please don't undermine the episode by saying I saw it on Friends <laughs> and that's why we're talking about it. Mimi, before you say anything else that ruins the integrity of our show, I love you. Peace out. Goodbye. Namaste. Bye-bye, Matthew. Have a nice day. If you like what you heard today, please comment. Please make contact. Please subscribe. But most importantly, please share. Share it with someone else. Give the gift of Mimi to someone else. Cheers.